Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Sunday after Pentecost is found recorded in the book of Isaiah chapter 44 beginning at verse 6. This is what the Lord, the King of Israel, Israel's Redeemer, the Lord of armies says. I am the first and I am the last. Except for me there is no God. For who is like me? Let him declare it. Let him recite in order for me the things that took place since the time I established an ancient people. Or let them declare what is yet to come and what is going to take place. Do not tremble and do not be frightened. Did I not announce this to you and declare it already long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God except me? There is no other rock. I am not aware of any other All those who form an idol are good for nothing. All the things which delight them provide no benefit. As for their witnesses, they do not see. They they know nothing. So they will be ashamed. Who is this who forms a god or casts a metal image that can provide no profit? Look at him. All his associates will be ashamed. The craftsmen are merely men. Let them all gather themselves and take a stand. They will be terrified and ashamed together. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in the book of Romans, chapter 1, beginning at the 18th verse. The Apostle Paul writes, Indeed, God's wrath is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who tried to suppress the truth by unrighteousness. This happens because what can be known about God is evident among them, because God made it evident among them. In fact, his invisible characteristics, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, because they are understood from the things he made. As a result, people are without excuse, because even though they knew God, they did not honor him or give him thanks as God. Instead, their thinking became nonsense, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human, or like birds, four-footed animals, and crawly things. So, as they followed the sinful desires of their hearts, God handed them over to the impurity of degrading their own bodies among themselves. Such people have traded the truth about God for the lie, worshiping and serving the creation rather than the creator who is worthy of praise forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Our gospel is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, beginning at the 24th verse. Please note that Matthew 13 
includes a number of sermons by Jesus, or you could say one big sermon, and all of the parts were basically seven different parables that he taught. This is one of them, and this is actually the third one. He presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the plant sprouted and produced heads of grain, the weeds also appeared. The servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? He said to them, An enemy did this. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and gather up the weeds? No, he answered, because when you gather up the weeds, you might pull up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at that time I will tell the harvester, the reapers, first gather up the weeds and bind them in bundles and burn them. Then gather the wheat into my barn. Then Jesus sent the people away and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered them, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The, feed is, the field is the world. The good seed are the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. The reapers are angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered up and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will put out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and those who continue to break the law. The angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear the gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is our gospel that we heard from Matthew chapter 13 beginning at the 24th verse. It is the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And I open with these words. He presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the plant sprouted and produced heads of grain, the weeds also appeared. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, back on the farm when I was growing up, we had a really large garden. In fact, right behind the house was a 20-acre field, and what was interesting is right along the very edge of where the corn would be planted, oh, Dad set aside about, oh, it had to be like 12, 15 feet wide, and the length of it had to be at least 100, 150 feet long. I mean, this was really large garden. I mean, we planted everything in this garden. We even had a huge area for watermelons to grow. And one of the jobs that my sisters and I had to, had to do was pull weeds. And I can honestly say that that is the one thing that I just truly despise, is to pull weeds. And not just because it's 
backbreaking because every three days you got to go do it again because those weeds always come up. Oh, yes, we had a tiller. Oh, yeah, I used that tiller and we were going to chew up those weeds, but you had to pull between the plants. Every day was another day to pull weeds. And spiritually speaking, weeds are among the wheat. That's what Jesus testified to when he was teaching from his boat. Yes, he gave a number of parables, and the parable of the weed and the wheats was one of them. His explanation would actually be later in the day when he sent the crowd away, so they won't hear the explanation. The disciples in the house will. This was probably staying in Capernaum since he was preaching at the Sea of Galilee, way up north. Jesus sharing this beautiful parable with them is especially shared with us for us to always keep in mind that as soon as we hear another parable, we know that God is revealing another divine truth to us. I always describe parables uh, in earthly story with a heavenly meaning because that's what I was always taught, and it is a beautiful way to put it. But remember, focus on the divine truth. There's always one. Divine truth spoken in each one. This is not a divine tr truth to let in one ear and out the other. For Jesus himself makes very clear, he who has an ear, let him hear. So let us hear the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And let us take the heart, the message that Jesus is proclaiming. In the parable, he begins with a farmer who... Yeah clearly owns the field, he owns the land. And he throws good seed out into his field. Now, once again, this is not planting uh, crops like in a garden where you plant them in rows and, and you keep space between each seed. This is the grass seed. This is the type of grass seed. This is the wheat. And this is broadcast and thrown all over to fill the entire field. And when he threw out the seed, it says he threw out good seed, which reminds us immediately that if this is good seed, there's no weeds in these seeds. For instance, when you go in and buy seeds for your garden, you don't go buy seeds that have other seeds in them, and especially that have other weeds with them. You, when you buy good seed, you're buying pure good seed. Carrot seed is carrot seed. And Tomato seed is tomato seed, and beans are beans, and peas are peas. It's good seed you're getting, and that's what this farmer broadcast as he sowed his field. But during the night, an enemy came. The farmer knew this. It says everyone was sleeping, and they didn't see this. Isn't it interesting that the enemy will work in the darkness to try to hide what he is doing? Because this enemy is pure evil. He goes and sows weeds among the good seed wheat. It is interesting that this enemy would do this. Now, what is he getting at? 
Now, he explains later, and I and really appreciate that he does, but think of like a domino effect, how when you stack up the dominoes one after the other, and you hit the first one, and they all start falling over. Once we reveal and understand what the first domino is, we're going to understand all the rest. For instance, who is the farmer? If we know who he is, then we know the rest of the story. And it is very clear that Jesus reveals the farmer is the son of man. If the son of man is the farmer, then who is the enemy? But the enemy of the son of man, that has to be Satan. The word Satan in and of itself means enemy, and the word here for enemy is not the same word for Satan. In this case, it's a different word for enemy. And this enemy is emphasizing the fact that this is an enemy who's hostile, who hates, and Satan certainly hates Jesus. Remember, he's a fallen angel. He's very real. This fallen angel is attacking God's greatest creation, which is mankind itself. Oh, he loves nothing more than to turn people away from the Lord. And he does it by planting his seed. In fact, we're told that this very Satan is called the devil. And the word devil means literally liar. The biggest lie of Satan, or you might argue one of the biggest, but I would say the biggest lie out there is this thinking that you have a free will and you can earn God's trust and God's favor because you can choose God and you can accept him into your heart. It sounds very religious, but it's not. For the Bible makes it very clear that we are sinful human beings who have fallen short of his glory. We are sinful human beings who are by nature dead and blind. We are even as sinners also by nature enemies of God. We're not saved because of what we do. We're saved by what God has done for us. And what has he done for us is summed up beautifully in the word son of man. Out of all the titles that Jesus would use, the son of man is the one he used the most to describe himself. Son of man would certainly emphasize his humility, for we know he is the son of God. We know Jesus is fully God. He's the second person of the Holy Trinity. He is the one sent by the Father to come and save us all, and he did so by taking on human flesh. Why the human flesh? Because in order to pay for our sins, in order to pay the debt for our sins, in order to even suffer the punishment of sin in hell itself, and, and to free us from that, Jesus would have to be perfect and holy. And that his holiness would be credited to us as our own. He would have to suffer the punishment of sin and death so that we wouldn't have to suffer that because we couldn't suffer it and live. But he conquered death and rose again because the Son of Man is the Son of God. But that's not the only reason he used the title Son of Man. In fact, Daniel chapter 7 speaks of the Son of Man even being before the throne of God. So when Jesus uses the term Son of Man, he's making it very clear, I'm the one that was prophesied about. That Son of Man, that's Jesus. That's him. And there is no other. 
for no other could claim that. No other dare claim that. Yes, Jesus is the Son of God. And so, knowing that, knowing who Satan is, well then, what is the weeds and the wheat? Well, the wheat, we're told, well, those are sons of the kingdom. These, this is the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom of God. A kingdom has a king. This, these are ones who are ruled in their hearts by God's holy word, by the very one who is the son of man. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. These are the ones that are called the righteous. Not just because they were good for goodness sake, because they were declared right in God's sight, the very God who paid for their sins and the sins of the world. The weeds. We are told that these are the sons of the evil one. These are the sons of Satan, the devil, the liar. They're even described as the ones who continue to break God's law. They don't want to come for forgiveness. They don't want to confess their sins. They live for their selfish selves, and they go against God's holy law and his holy word because they refuse to see what that law is. These are his statements of perfect love. And not only that, these are the ones that cause sin. Oh, not just that they sin against someone, but these are the very ones who entice others to sin, to live for their selfish self, to not serve the Lord with their lives, but ultimately serving Satan. For is that not what we do when we serve our sinful self? This is my life. I can do with it what I want. This is my body, and I can do with it what I want. Everything is, I can do with it what I want. When really it is God who made me and saved me. My life belongs to him. He is my God, and there is no other. These words remind me of another statement that Jesus made. In fact, almost the exact same words. When Jesus was talking about causing one of the little ones to sin, there's the words. And remember what he said, if you cause one of these little ones to sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone hung around your neck and thrown into the depths of the sea. To go and attack a helpless little child and cause them to sin and abuse them and hurt them. And we see so much of that even today. That all comes from Satan. This does not come from God. In fact, hearing the difference between the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the evil one really helps us understand another passage in the Bible. I've always said that when it comes to scripture, let God speak for himself, but use the easier passages to explain the harder ones. So when we go to Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 and hear that God is going to put hostility between Satan and the woman Eve and between Satan's offspring and the woman's offspring, Many believe that that means the offspring of the devil are demons and therefore the offspring of the woman are humans and there'll be a hostility between humans and demons. When really God was getting at the fact that the offspring of Satan are unbelievers. Those are the sons of the evil one. The offspring of the woman are believers for they are the sons of the kingdom. 
And is there not hostility between believers and unbelievers? Yes, there are weeds among the wheat. And they're going to grow together. And in fact, because they're both growing together at the same time, and because there's hostility between them, it would make complete sense when the servants came to the farmer and, and said to him, should we pull up the weeds? Should we clean it out? Should we get rid of them? Should we end them? So that the wheat can grow and grow even better and grow even stronger. It sounds like it's an excellent plan. It sounds like it's the only plan. And yet, our ways are not God's ways. And God's ways and his thoughts are greater and higher than ours. God will not take a chance to uproot any of the wheat because every, every person is a precious soul in God's sight. This is our God who wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So therefore, God has given each and every one of us a time of grace, a time really of his undeserved love, this time that we have to not only just live life and live it to the fullest and, and enjoy life and get the best bang out of life, but to actually live this life growing in his holy word, taking to heart his holy word, and even sharing that holy word with others. Because at the heart of it is Jesus, and Jesus is the Son of Man. This is the message that God has called us to proclaim and to take to heart. So it is not God's will to just wipe people out. And so as we share that holy name with others, we must understand that there are weeds among the wheat. And these weeds also need to hear about Christ. Whether, they, whether they'll come to faith or not, we're going to keep planting that seed and proclaiming it. Because the day will come when this world will end. There will be a judgment day. There will be a day of reckoning. And when that day comes, God will send the holy angels. They are the harvesters, the reapers. They will come and take everyone off this world. This world will be destroyed. There will be a new heavens and a new earth for the believers. He will take people off this earth and he will separate the believers from the unbelievers. And what will happen to the unbelievers? Well, they will end up in that fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Certainly there's going to be great pain, especially when you hear of a fiery furnace. But there's also the gnashing of teeth. It's going to be a place of great anger, great hatred, great bitterness, no doubt towards God himself. And this will be eternal. My dear friends, this is hell. This is what God made for the devil and his evil angels and all who reject the Lord in unbelief. For the believers, they will be taken to heaven and they will shine like the sun in the heaven with the Father. A perfect relationship with the Lord as God intended when he made the heavens and the earth right in the very beginning. He made Adam and Eve to be perfect and holy. He didn't make them to be sinful. He didn't make them to, to face death. He didn't make them for hell. 
He made them perfect and holy. And when they fell into sin, then all those who reject the Lord in unbelief will join Satan in hell. The believers shining like the sun, they're going to pierce through any darkness because there won't be any darkness. And spiritual, no darkness. No more sin, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more fear of dying, no more being overwhelmed by the horror and torture of a guilty conscience. It's going to be a place of pure joy, even beyond our understanding. But the best part is being with the Lord forever. These words are meant to be both a warning and a comfort. My friends, do not have the desire to become a weed. Do not have a desire to give up your faith. Oh, it may look like the unbelieving world is having a heyday, and they seem to have all the fun, and they seem to have all the money, and they seem to enjoy it all. They always seem happy. They always seem better than everyone else. Do not, do not fall into that kind of jealousy and envy. Because what good is it, as Jesus put it once, to have the whole world and yet forfeit your soul and your relationship with the Lord eternally? And yet these words are a great comfort because these words remind us of who we are in Christ Jesus. Our present suffering doesn't even begin to compare to the glories that await us. And to know that any suffering and pain you may be undergoing, it can never last forever. Because what's going to last forever is heaven. And until the Lord calls us home, rejoice that every day is another day the Lord has made. Another day to grow in his holy name. Another day to take that to heart. And another day to share it with another. Let your light shine. That people may see the love of God in your life. And give praise and join you in giving praise to our one and only God. The very Savior the Son of Man. My dear friends, as we live in these last days, we do so knowing there are weeds among the wheat. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.